You had a question? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like a cow. I've heard a discussion with um, philosophers mind, philosophers in mind and neuroscientists that says that if there was a good explanation of how consciousness can interface with matter, they might buy into the idea that it was something other than matter. In other words, how does it actually relate to matter? So, according to Vedanta, it's um, reflecting on the um, subtle matter of the chitta, the mind, intelligence, and that's why mind has its ability to function the way it does in intelligence, because it's reflecting consciousness. So, um, do you have any comment why that's not a good enough explanation for them? I'm, I'm assuming it's because they can't test it, no. prove it, and, um, well, I think that the uh, the problem uh, for them, if you will, is complicated by the way they look at the picture uh, to begin with. Um, <coughs> And, uh, for example, um, they look at the world as if every aspect of it should be measurable. Um, And in one sense, if it were, then we would be the masters of it. If you can measure a thing, the implication is that you can control a thing. Hmm? And the very thrust from theism, of course, is that you can only control things that are inferior to you. So if there's anything superior to the rational mind and the observation of humans, hmm, then um, you're not going to be able to control it. Hmm? Um, so there's a kind of, the, there's, like with everything, uh, there are built-in assumptions. And if you forget the assumption, then things start to sound logical, and there's a problem. If you go back to the assumption, then you question the assumption. Maybe it's it's not a good good assumption. Um, the Sanskrit word Maya also means to measure, so it's Maya to measure. In other words, to uh, in a, in, a, in a comprehensive sense, to think that you can bring the entirety of existence into the fist of your knowing or your your intellect. Um, our point is you can't even bring matter um, within your grasp entirely and let's speak of the Atma or the Paramatma. Hmm? So, um, yeah, there's kind of an assumption there um, that um, perhaps, uh, well, uh, you know, another example that would be the idea that things can only move if there's contact, you know, the, the physical contact with one object causes the other object to, to move. That's why when Newton introduced gravity theory, they thought he was becoming an occultist again, rather than moving away from occultism, um, because he said things could move without apparent physical contact. Now, you can then go and say the gravitational force is physical and subsume it within your 
materialistic uh, um, um, orbit. Um, but uh, I would, I'd, and I would assume that would what will come to pass in in the, that community, the philosophical and scientific community you refer to, is more of a, a, a pan-psychic idea where they'll say that that consciousness is is everywhere, and there's proto-consciousness, so something like that they'll call it, in the, in 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 your in everything, and then you know more developed or in humans or something like that, and um, and um, just expand the material um, um, you know what, what constitutes out what's out there so to speak, um, and there are some forms of that, but. But um, but anyway, as other than that, why is it not a good argument hmm, um, that yeah that consciousness, as we say, uh, reflects subtle matter reflects consciousness? Well, first of all, they don't even accept subtle matter. It's not a because they know the physical forces and the physical forces. They try to. Uh, they assume that everything is physical. Many people do, let's say, in that community. So they they want to. Uh, uh, what's, it, what's the word? Um, to um, um, reduce the mind to the brain. Now, the mind is really only the brain. There's no such thing as, a, ontologically speaking, as a as a mind. There's only a brain, which means everything's physical. That's you know the the prominent, the dominant. Um, theme, and so to speak of consciousness reflecting on on mind, <laughs> you got to have a mind <laughs> to, to be able. To, you got to have that subtle matter, uh, you know. So that's why it's a good point if you can could demonstrate subtle matter or get people to move to an idea of a category categories within matter. Hmm? So there's physical matter and then there's psychic matter. Then you know you, you're building a case. That, you know that, that, that it, its nature is such that it can reflect consciousness and so on and so forth. But if you don't even accept um, subtle matter, psychic matter, then that's you know it's that's not a good argument, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, that's part of the um, the problem. But now uh, you know you have to understand that um, here's the Western. Scientific, philosophical community. I often say that Christianity, science was born as a modern science, and the West was born as a Christian. Hmm? Now, you know, when we speak of science, you know, we talk about the the controlled experiment, which is the center to the to uh, to uh, science. This is something that was honed, and we call modern science. But it's basically you have a certain you you create an environment, and you do something within it, observe it, and you get facts from it, and then you draw conclusions, right? Mm-hmm. And extrapolate that, you know, what happened in the microcosm of a controlled environment to a larger environment, something like that. But I mean, it's basically like touch fire, get burned, fire burns. That's science. It's observation. 
So it's not that there wasn't science, if you will, and we shouldn't be, we're not against it, we do it ourselves all the time, so to speak. But then the modern science was honing this controlled experiment and and so forth. That was, as I say, born as a Christian. It was, it, 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 the edifice of modern science had its origins in the scientific revolution in Europe, where everyone was a Christian. And, and Christianity, Rome ruled the world, um, you know, gradually less in a forceful and political way, but the Pope had considerable uh, influence and the Catholic uh, dogma over the thinking uh, world, hmm? right? So, uh, Newton, um, Descartes, uh, Copernicus, well, who was his partner? I forget. I mean, these were, they were all Christians. Hmm? And um, and so this began to be this difference in observation from what faith had in the in the in the in the, um, in the revelation. Western Revelation was uh, thought to have said, for example, for example, in a a, a uh, um, geocentric perspective, was was it Copernicus, Galileo, Copernicus, right? Yeah, he 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 thought his observation was it that this, uh, things are moving, Earth's moving around the sun rather than everything moving around the Earth. And that was in how they had thought about it from their particular particular understanding of the Bible with a kind of a geocentric perspective. Now, not that the Bible's a scientific book or anything like that, but they had a geocentric perspective. And, and, and so anyway, you know, this, this was thought to be heretical. And so, uh, you know, he was arrested and they were going to behead him, I think, that he capitulated to some extent and didn't lose his, lose his head. Um, um, but over time, then faith interfacing with observation and reason could accommodate hmm, the heliocentric perspective and the church went on, right? Hmm? Um, but this, this is... Christians now were thinking and theologizing means to reason about revelation and its implications and and interface revelation with observation and then you think well I observe it like this revelation says seems to say that the opposite it can't be so then you somehow you harmonize it and you you, you develop a more um, maybe less literal, a more um, essential understanding of the revelation. And, and so uh, so it goes, right? So at any rate, science was born as a Christian. Hmm? And Newton was a Christian. And Newtonian physics came to dominate the whole um, of Western scientific thinking you know, for, for quite, some, quite some time. Um, and in, in, in the Newtonian uh, perspective of physics, 
it was thought that all of the forces, major forces that by which things happen in the world, had been determined. Hmm? You know, weak and strong nuclear force, gravitational, electromagnetic energy, whatever they are, it's four of them, um, and so forth. So they, they, they had a coherent um, picture of the world and how it all worked. Hmm? And there was no, what happened was there was no place for like God to be creating, doing miracles, stepping into the picture and changing because there were these laws of nature hmm, that could be observed by which things happened. And it was thought that we figured out how everything happens. And you started to have this very deterministic, from a mathematical uh, perspective, point of view. Hmm? And so God gets like removed from the pictures. Of the, so they went from like Christianity to people like maybe Newton and persons thereafter became like uh, uh, deists. The idea that that God exists, he set up the world, and now he's not involved in it anymore, right? Like like he set up a clock and it goes around automatically. There's no need for the for the clockmaker anymore. I mean, in the world, so he's there, he's in his own realm, whatever. But he's not in here pulling strings and so on and so forth. It was where they moved to. Which is different than the Christian perspective, where God comes into the world and and changes it and uh, and so forth. At least Christianity could be interpreted like that. Um, you know, I would look at it more. Well, that's another thing. But um, so from uh, you know being a Christian to being deistic is moving more, you know, away from a. Towards it's toward, towards becoming agnostic, hmm? so born a Christian, and in uh, you know boyhood became an agnostic, and adolescence has become atheistic, hmm? and atheistic, and here means materialistic from a philosophical point of materialism as a philosophy. You can call it physicalism, naturalism. And as God is removed from the picture, in Newtonian perspective, consciousness has, has no role. There's no role for this stuff called consciousness to be have any power of influence. There may be something called consciousness, but it's something like you know, like steam out of an engine. So let's say you have an engine running the train and steam comes out. You know, okay, it's there when steam has no influence, doesn't has nothing to do with what's going on with the train. So consciousness is some epiphenomenon steams out of the brain and it's not it's not something we have to think about. We've already figured out how everything works. So there's no place for consciousness. Hmm? So there's no place for anything supernatural, um, so to speak. A, a consciousness that's a soul or any vital vitalism is the idea there. There's pran or there's chi or these kind of ideas. They're thought to have been done away with mm-hmm. because we can't find them and we don't need them anyway. Mm-hmm. And so there's this uh, more more crude kind of medical approach that uh, we 
you know, that, that's the mainstream of medicine. Mm-hmm. So, um, so many things, and many things, and of course, as science proceeds in this historical brief here overview, many things that were thought to be spiritual, divine, have been were exposed to not be, to just be superstitious. So as that happens, you start to lose faith in that in this mysterious idea, right? And you gain faith in this pragmatic, you know, we thought it was, we go to the shaman and, you know, treat him in a certain way and the plague will go away or something like that. But we found out if we get rid of the rats and we, you know, <laughs> something else and, and we give uh, antibiotics or something and then the plague will go away. So away with it goes the superstition. So many, many things that were previously part of a god uh, theistic or supernatural worldview were uh, dismissed as they should be, many of them. Hmm? Many superstitions that people were, were, were living by. And they were replaced with pragmatic things that help people um, materially speaking, um, um, uh, and so there's this transfer of faith, hmm? right? That from from the mystical to the pragmatic, and, ob- and the power of observation, and, and 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 so forth. So there's this really strong faith in in materialism. It's not necessarily they weren't thinking like they're bad people. They were just hey, they were observing one one against the other and 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 the the kind of i would say kind of like primitive uh spiritual idea was uh diminishing and the idea that we can observe and and uh and, and what we're observing we're getting good results from and this is the way to know everything it was this kind of the shift um now I, in saying that I, I i don't say that christianity in its more esoteric and theologized forms is necessarily primitive but but i do think that vedanta is is, is a much is a more sophisticated um supernatural uh perspective for example you know i mean even in the bible there, there's no description of what a soul is uh, for us, it's not a question of does does consciousness does the soul exist or not. It's like saying does consciousness exist? Well, of course it exists. It's a, so just the question of defining consciousness. We define consciousness as what's sometimes thought of as as the soul. It's in a, kind of a from a Western point of view, kind of a Platonic perspective, which is very much a, a Vedanta kind of perspective about the Atma. But that is not in the Bible, hmm. right? So, I mean, it's the, it's the it's the beginning of the Bhagavad Gita, right? So the Bhag the Bible is calling it more about believing, as I sometimes say in the Bhagavad Gita, is more about the nature of being. That's quite a different. And then, given the nature, the way in which it speaks about the nature of being, then there is some believing based on that. When Krishna says, explains the nature of the Atma, the difference between the Atma and the body, and 
so on and so forth, and, and you catch on to that perspective and what that means in terms of how you've been looking at the material world, hmm? how, for example, your attachment is the womb from which suffering is born because you're not the body, and so on and so forth. And by the time you get to the seventh chapter, now the theology is going to come and God is going to be introduced. First you introduce the Atma, now the, now the God's going to be introduced. And there has to be some believing, so to speak. But you're primed for that because you've got a whole different worldview, which is which is a supernatural worldview. And you're, you're part of the supernatural. You're an Atma. You're consciousness, not, not matter. Now the big, the, big, the big soul is introduced. And it's friendly to the small souls and so forth. Uh, so, um, you know, it's a very, I would say, a more uh, sophisticated um, argument, explanation of the nature of the supernatural in the world than you can find in, in, the, in the Bible. Hmm? Just the Bible itself. And they theologized about the Bible. And, and, um, and in the West, they've done it you know, as science has advanced and so forth too. So there's a some interesting um, arguments that you can find from Christian theologians on this subject. You know, as uh, well as other subjects, but it's not like in the Bible. Hmm? So uh, I think, if you will, that the in the face of a less sophisticated uh, form of um, spirituality, hmm, then the, and the um, uh, fruits from observation and, and so forth caused this divide in, 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 in what, was, what was introduced, modern science and thought to be the, the way in which we will prove the existence of God became the greatest nemesis for the Christian uh, perspective. And guys were converting over and gals and so forth. Um, meanwhile, the East is like some other world over there. Yeah. I mean, even today, what, what do we know about the East? I mean, there's more. And I talked about that the other night, the subtle influence that East has had on the West and has some grip on them and so forth. But still, most people are just like, they have no idea of Eastern, whether it be Buddhism, Taoism, uh, which come out of, you know, the real mother of them all, Hinduism, Vedanta. I mean, the way it thinks, you just go to the Indian grocery store and hang out with the Indians. How do they think? You don't even know how they're thinking. They're, they're in this, without knowing it, they're in a cyclical you know, world. <laughs> You know, here we are in a linear, you know, time and so forth. And it's, there was a beginning, and there will be an end. And and there are no beginnings. There are no ends in Hinduism. It's it's a whole different. So that some of the answers you may give from Eastern philosophy, they just don't compute hmm, to Western theology. They think you're not answering the question or something. You know, like. If, you know, if you say, which come first, the seed or the tree, as I sometimes say, which come first, the seed or the tree? If you've got linear time, you can't figure it out. Every point is defined by the point next to it. So you go, tree, seed, tree, seed, you know, which comes first? It's, uh, but if it's cyclical, then it's which comes first, the seed, seed or the tree? You can say both. 
neither. <laughs> You've answered the question. Neither one. They say, what kind of answer is that? You know, <laughs> that's how they're they're wired. You know, so it's a it's a very um, it's a hard sell. Hmm? Given you know centuries of thinking in a certain way, and then this fortified uh, faith in in science. It's not like a bad thing, but just that, that you know this is what they observed, and and the Christian idea just didn't didn't work for a lot of people. Now it gets out of balance and becomes this absurd perspective that there's no self, that uh, you know, as I said, consciousness has no no bearing, no influence, and so forth. But this was going on for some time until then. In the in the 20th century, you have this quantum um, physics perspective that again brings observation into the into the picture, which at the subatomic level, which, which just made the Newtonian perspective like brought it into question. But it's so it's been around for so long and it worked pragmatically so well for so many practical things that uh, they thought were, you know, in some respects worth the improvement of human society and so forth, that there there is a resistance to what the founders, so to speak, founding kind of thinkers of quantum physics, what the guys like Niels Bohr and their ideas are like, hmm, you know, that, that they, they, there's a resistance to them because it's been going in a certain direction for so long and that just, you know, okay, so where something like that happens on a subatomic level, but anyway, hmm, but anyway. Let's you know, not not try to make more out of it than than we have to here, and uh, you know, and then there starts to become this like, in, oh, in comes this you know, this Eastern ideas, and and there's this talk about subatomic and Eastern, and uh, there's some correspondence, and uh, and they try to dismiss that um, uh, as being a, you know, a uh, uh, interpretation of what the quantum mechanics is saying that doesn't necessarily have to say and they're hanging on you know to uh, something but they're hanging on to it in some respects for good reason hmm? because it all kind of worked for them you know um, in, in some ways I mean it doesn't work in a deeper way this 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 mechanistic perspective it estranges humanity from the natural world and causes kind of angst that a line will have as I said compared to a circle hmm. And, um, and so many modern uh, problems, psychological problems, and uh, and and then you know the more you get away from a theistic perspective or a supernatural perspective, the more you're left with that. For example, well, morality is just a human human convention, um, and so some kid goes and shoots up the school or something, eh, whatever you know. It, it, so these things are all you know. The weirdness of the world. There, there's. I would say it's. In, you know, it's. It's arising out of its dominant uh, perspective that most people don't stop to think about and so forth. Um, or just you know plugged into it going forward. It's ah, religion. And a lot of people say, Phew, I don't believe in that stuff. You know, fairy god, fairy tooth. You know, people and stuff. Which is such a you know silly. Um, you know. 
uh, argument and not really theologically um, acquainted and so forth. And this is very one-dimensional idea that this, by this one way, by, by, by empirical and rational modes, everything will be known. I mean, we know, we already know so many things without reason. <laughs> that, uh, so anyway, so and know them better. There are other ways of knowing. So at any rate, you know, you have people going in a certain uh, direction and then there's economy based on it and so forth and so on. And so, uh, so there's resistance to the implications of the quantum perspective that, you know, you could say brings consciousness back into the picture as as an influence, because based on observation, things change. Uh, it would be the simplistic way of talking about it. And I'm no, you know, physicist, but that's. Uh, and so there's a resistance to that, and 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 a hanging on to the old, which is uh, typical. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there's plenty of funding around to keep busy. Just turning their wheels, coming up with different ideas of how of what consciousness is and how, what's its biological basis, the material basis. This is one of the big, the biggest. It's the last big. There's a lot more, but it's not the last big question in consci- in, in science. You know, what is the biological basis of, of consciousness? And the question, of course, we would say is wrong. There, you know. There is no biological basis for consciousness. It's going to be around. The question is going to be around for a long time. So I was saying the other night. I mean, you, you can, you can, you can. Every day of the week, somebody's coming up with a new materialistic explanation of consciousness, writing a book about it. And somebody likes it, and most of his peers can't stand it. You know, um, and think it's crazy. And then each of them got their own book, and they think they're each don't know what they're talking about either. Hmm? But they have no ear for mysticism. Mysticism is like we can't grab, you know. There's something, there's something mystical that we can't know, that we can't control. Hmm? We're through with that stuff, you know. It's kind of the thinking. But if you really look at mysticism as 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 as, as if you really understand it, it's a scientific, if you will, way of knowing. You know, Prabhupada used to say, "This is not a faith; it's a science," didn't he? Not a belief. I think he would say it's a science. Um, so what he meant by that is that there's a method. There's a methodology. So the methodology is is a a way of examining, for example, mind. Hmm? If, if the subject is, as it is to some extent, is mind the brain, or is there something called subtle matter that's mind that can reflect? something that's categorically different called consciousness, right? As we say. So, okay, so we're going to study the mind and, and to know to understand it, we're going to look at the brain from many different angles and so forth and so on. That's one way to approach the matter. Psychology is a science of the mind, but it's totally, um, I mean, you must be taught in every school of psychology other than transpersonal psychology that never got too far that, you know, Mind is the brain. Brain is the mind, actually. Right? Mind is the brain. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the soft sciences are not independent 
psychology, for example, sociology, of the hard sciences, hmm? biology, physics, chemistry, this is the idea. So, um, meanwhile, again, the meditative yogic perspective is a science in that it's, there's a method to it. So there's a theory. It's not like Darwin just like went out, you know, for example, and just was hanging around and fishing or something like that. You know? and he started. He had an idea. He already had an idea, hmm? which came from somewhere beyond reason. Hmm? He had some idea, and then he looked with that in mind, and it started to verify itself to him. Hmm? Um, you know, in a basic sense, anyway, that things adopt, adapt. Life adapts biologically um, relative to conditions it finds itself in, which we experience ourselves. So, how far you want to go with that? That that's another thing. But so um, so there's an idea in the yogic world that there's an atma. There, I mean, there's a there's a common sense idea that that I have a mind. <laughs> I have intelligence. These are real things, hmm? subtle. You can't grab them like a board, um, but you know you need them to grab the board. <laughs> you can't grab the board without them. Hmm? But I don't use my intelligence. I can't, you know, pick up the board, whatever. <laughs> so uh, we accept that, that these things exist. Hmm? They're subtle, um, and there is an observer called the Atma. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically that there's something out there and there's someone in the what was that philosopher you quoted what did he say it's one of your little headlines in your book what's out there and who's in there who's asking the question is you know well anyway that's what's important who's asking the who's in there who's at what's out there and who's looking at it you understand what's out there and who's doing the looking? Something's being looked at, and something's looking at it. Are they the same? Are they different? Is there a duality, a non-duality? <laughs> so this is basically, you know, what life's about. What's out there, and who's asking the question? Everybody's trying to figure out what I am, what I am, and what's out there. So anyway, uh, the yogic perspective is that not that. Consciousness comes out of physical matter, but physical matter comes out of consciousness. So just turn the whole thing around. Hmm? It's reasonable. Consciousness, physical matter comes out of consciousness, rather than consciousness comes out of physical matter. Hmm? Consciousness is more complex, having the capacity to observe, and matter is observed. It's less complex. So the less complex comes out of the more complex. That's reasonable. That's their perspective, uh, you know, basically. And then now there's a method, a science, a methodology, let's call it, to realize that. It's called yoga. So um, uh, while the senses and mind are preoccupied with sense objects, hmm, the cost of that is the knowing hmm, of the of who's doing the observing, because the observer then, through that, becomes identified with the sense objects. It extends itself to be identified with the natural world. And the natural world is in flux, it's always changing. So your identity is 
changing with it. I'm a daughter. I'm a I'm a I'm a mother. I'm a I'm a you know, this that and the other thing. We're we're constantly changing. Our identities are changing, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a Republican. I become a Democrat. I become an expatriate. I, you know, we've gone through different examples. Um, so uh, because the world is in flux, my identity is in flux, and the flux of my identity is disconcerting. I can't get my feet on the ground, so to speak. So the, the yogic perspective is, wait, let's turn this observation, which is what the whole thing is turning on, inward rather than outward. And and someone's doing the observing, let's look at the let's try to look at the observer. So that's the, the technique. And then to demonstrate practically that the atma, the observer, consciousness, is independent of the of the physical, and independent of the mental hmm, influences. And so, there's a con- central to the yogic worldview and practice is control of the mind. Control the mind, you control the senses. You control the senses, you've mastered the human passions, which is supernatural. Right? Wow, that's incredible. Hmm. You've you, you've mastered the the, the, the the harnessed the human passions, and 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 then you've and you've done it by control, concentrating, controlling the mind. Now someone else is trying to study the mind through psychology or through neurology, hmm? but they can't control their own mind. <laughs> Their own mind is being like going here, there, and, and everywhere, and hmm? and now somebody else has actually controlled the mind, focused, it, closed it down, has arrested the mind. Hmm? To me, that says a lot about that guy knows something about the mind. Hmm? He knows something about the mind, and in the context of mastering the mind, then certain he has certain experiences. Now, from that perspective, about what is the nature of the physical world, what is the nature of the uh, psychic matter, what is the nature of the Atma. Sure, he dies, the body dies. Yeah, we, we don't, we, we say that from the beginning, it will die. How do you, what do you mean you're independent of the body? If I shoot you, you'll be dead. You know, I mean, yeah, we know that the body is going to die. That does, I'm in it now, but. And 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 if I stop eating or stop breathing, it's going to die. Hmm? But I can turn down the eating. I could turn down the breathing even. Like Druva, I could breathe once a month, maybe. Such things are possible. Hmm? So the extent to which you're you're living and happily and graciously and treading in the world with a very light uh, footprint, very light. I'm only breathing once a month. That's all I'm taking. And I'm happy for it. I'm bigger for it. I'm more caring for it. This is pretty compelling objective evidence to support the theory that there is something called an atma that's different, that's independent of the mind and 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 the body. Hmm? But 
you know, there's not a lot of people doing it either. Some people talking about it and so forth, but um, and and then and then one person does it, and then you know whatever you can dismiss him in so many ways if if you if you want to. People dismiss Krishna. People hung Jesus. You know what they do? They crucified him. Whatever. You know. So that's the world we 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 live in. But um, but here is a science of the mind which requires a lot of objectivity because central to yoga is detachment and sadhana is detachment detachment is what objectivity is about if i'm too attached to somebody i can't see them for what they are right if i step back oh i can see so you get an objective perspective so that's the idea of science right to have an objective perspective to step back and we might think it's like this, but that's a naive reality. Actually, there's only physical forces and and so forth. It's a very dehumanizing and, and um, counterintuitive, uh, one-dimensional, flat-earth, you know, concept that is held to be like the most sophisticated <laughs> thinking these days. Hmm? But the yogic perspective is so rich; it acknowledges. It finds a way to acknowledge there is intelligence. <laughs> there is something called mind. There is physical matter. There is atma and so forth. Now, we don't go into the physical matter in the kind of depth that science does because we're not interested in it and the, and the prospect of manipulating it in different ways by which we can become free and happy and so forth. We've, had, we've had a, already had a superior conclusion about the whole thing that that isn't going to happen. No matter how you you know tweak it and adjust it, and that is that's compelling. That's negative impetus for the practice that we do and so forth. So I I think that you know those that that kind of um, approach to understanding the mind, if you will, has to be taken more seriously. But people going 100 miles an hour in another direction, and, and you know you take Western society, it's like who gives a darn about India. <laughs> India, <laughs> you know. People are, you know, and they're starving or, or they're, uh, they, of course, they're they're not uh, taking advantage of the, what I call the other night, the Eastern exceptionalism and their dharma and so forth. And, and, and the essential ideas of, 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 uh, of, of Bhagavad Dharma influenced by the West, there's only like a shadow, really, of the of the of this culture that was uh, um, lofty, mm-hmm. um, with very sophisticated notions of the of the supernatural and and so forth. So that's unfortunate. But that aside, I mean, if the standard of progress is uh, is having money and a good sex life, then you know. You can think we're we're on top here. <laughs> if, you, you know, you've got some more money in this com- this country than you could you know you could need in a in a million years mm-hmm. to live comfortably mm-hmm. in one person probably or one percent of them or something. It's 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 gross. It's absolutely it's absolutely gross. And and uh, um, and that at the cost of other sometimes in some respects other other countries. Um, so, I don't want to get political or anything, but um, 
what are they, you know, you're going to bring up a religious, spiritual idea in science, these people in the community who are materialistic, philosophically speaking, they retired religion a long time ago, Christianity, you know, which was like dominating the whole of Europe, right? They are retired. I mean, India's, you know, the, the, what European American exceptionalism is racist, you know, in its perspective. It, it thinks Eastern East is behind the, you know, they're they're lesser people. They don't they don't quite get it, you know. They don't they they obviously they don't. They're not as prosperous as we are, and that's what life's about is is to prosper, be happy, have have resources. Uh, I mean, I'm being very crude here in general, but I mean, it, it, it's, it's it's this is um, so the East doesn't have a real strong voice. Neither is it is it is it really like in your face, either by its nature. It's subtle. Hmm? It says progress moves in the opposite way, going in rather than going going out, go within or go without. But there are good examples, and they do show up in other cultures as well hmm? of saints mystics and they should be taken seriously so but don't expect somebody who's a you know necessarily a neuroscientist or um, philosophy of mind type of person to um, there are some converts that from that community and they're converted um, some of them um, by Eastern Eastern thought, I think, more more prominently. There's there's nowhere that the scientific community in looking to for answers to these questions outside of the itself that they look to more than than India. That's true. Not that there's been a lot, but there have been some heretics from the scientific community that crossed over. Hmm. Um, so, but that you know that's why I mean they're. They're going 100 miles an hour in the opposite direction. They're pretty, pretty sure of themselves, and and uh, it, it Christianity was thought to close down all religions. It did in Europe, hmm? and so and Europe was you know was the center. You know, and they, from there they were going out on the Crusades and conquering and whatever. So uh, Eastern spirituality, it's, it's it hasn't had its full day yet just dawning hmm. with the appearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. <laughs> and we have to you know, share the ideas and live them, exemplify them, and that will speak loudly. Um, but, um, you know, that's why it's, it sounds good to us. And it is, it is a good argument, but if you think everything is just physical and is only the brain, and just give them some drugs and there you go. Solve all the mental problems. So, why, how can consciousness, if it's spiritual, move matter if it's of a different substance? That's the question in Europe and America since Descartes, response to Descartes' idea, which is a very, you know, I think, therefore I am, it sounds very Vedantic, but it's, it's like only like, you know, very barely so. Because, you know, his idea was that humans have consciousness or whatever you want to call it, and uh, animals don't. And he used to 
try to demonstrate that they didn't. And the nat- it was like a raping of the natural world. It was all. He took the. He got rid of all the ghosts and the spirits and everything. Get rid of them all. Close them all down. And the world is just do what you want with it, because God wants you to be happy. We're His children. He's the Father. Do what you want with it and be and be happy. So, you know, Christianity introduced the environmental crisis. That's where it comes from. It doesn't come from India. It comes from Christianity. Hmm? Raping the natural world, taking the, turning the matter became profane, hmm? and spirit was holy or whatever, sanctified. Hmm? But in India, while you have this distinction between consciousness and matter. You have matter becoming more consciousness-like in its nature, and you and and also there's this there's this regard for nature. So it never turned into that kind of a perspective. So, but but anyway, how does consciousness move matter? So, you know, so it's it's when you're in that Western scientific, philosophical, materialistic, physicalist perspective. What is consciousness? That's a whole other thing. You know, the different ideas of what consciousness is, you know, abound. So, if you if you, if you don't depend on your definition of it, it's going to be more difficult to think how it could influence. If you don't, if if you knew what it was from a Vedantic perspective, there wouldn't be the question wouldn't wouldn't arise. Hmm? Expecting it to act like a material force to begin with. That, that's your assumption. I should be able to measure it. If I can't measure it, it must not be there. Well, maybe there's immeasurable things. Oh, well, that just doesn't compute. Hmm? So, you know, you could give some, I give some examples in Sacred Preface that, you know, but, but they're only analogies that, uh, that can help people um, th- um, get over that, so to speak. But I presented to the problem being if you cannot resolve to your satisfaction how consciousness could be ontologically different from matter and, and, and move it, what did I say there? Then that's one maybe problem you can't resolve in your head, perhaps, if you're that kind of person. But then there's another question that arises. What did I say there? Oh, no, I can't, can't remember. So I gave a choice. You have, if, you, if, you, if you choose this one, then you have to have... Well, this is... I mean, I can... This is an overarching sense. You end up having a life with no meaning, no purpose. Uh, all kind of pr- problems arise out of that. That uh, and you have to... Which one do you want? You know? And, hmm. There's also... You know, you could also say... Um, you could say this in your family. You could say, you know... Um, it's better to be happy than to be right. <laughs> but you might be right <laughs> being happy. That's a bigger right, you understand. So, uh, so why not embrace a world view that's happy, that <laughs> has meaning, purpose, and uh, and so forth. It might not be right, but it's happy. But then, if it's happy, maybe it is right. <laughs> We're all living to be happy, right? <laughs> and everything doesn't have to fit be- between your ears. Is 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 the point, right? There's, there's things bigger than, than 
Yeah, and then you know, you look at it from a biological point of view. If they say from a Darwinian point of view, there's there's no reason or anything scientifically compelling that that to assert that humans should be able to know everything. Mosquitoes don't know everything. At least we don't think they do. <laughs> why should we know everything? Why do I have the ability to know everything? <laughs> so, I mean, we're simply presenting that there there are things that we don't know <laughs> that, that that are beyond the can of the human um, acumen uh, ability to know. There are things beyond that. That's what we say. Hmm? And they can make themselves known on their own terms. Terms are given. In the, in, in the scripture, and if people apply themselves accordingly, they come to know those things. But, you know, it, it's a hard sell because of the, the speed with which the world's going in a, in a, in a different direction. It's what we call it, Kali Yuga. So, therefore, we should band together. We're, we're transcendentalists. It's not a bad thing. There was Thoreau, Emerson, they were the first American transcendentalist. And our Bhaktivinoda corresponded with him. So that. <laughs> you got something against them? Thoreau and Emerson, they were contributors. Were they detractors, crazy people? Hmm. Okay. Yes? Speaking of transcendental, um, today is the first day of the Purushottama month. Yeah. Yeah. Extra month, which they say is the most transcendentally <laughs> beneficial month, even more than Karti. Oh, some say that, yeah. You can intensify your practice, right? <laughs> Take advantage of the auspicious time. Do more service. 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 Do more service.